This episode is brought to you by who else but Odeon. I love an Odeon, especially an Odeon Lux. Whether I'm on the red carpet at a movie premiere or popping down to my local cinema, the feeling is always the same. Pulling open the door to hear that huge, spine-tingling Dolby Atmos sound bellowing from within. The irresistible glow of the gigantic 4K iSense screen drawing you towards it, four times sharper, to capture every detail. Relaxing into those luxurious reclining seats and feeling that sense of anticipation as you excitedly sip on your favourite tipple before emerging at the end of the film trying to put into words what you've just experienced. It's nothing short of magic. You can book your Odeon Lux experience at odeon.co.uk or on the Odeon app. They say we make movies better and I couldn't agree more. Also, just before we head to our fantastic virtual cinema, how would you like a pair of tickets to head to a fantastic and very real cinema? Because the lovely people at Odeon have handed us a pair of tickets to give away each show. So if you'd like the chance to head to your nearest Odeon and enjoy a movie, all you need to do is leave us a review. I'll explain more at the end of the show, but congratulations to this week's winner, Jazzy Jeff, who left us a lovely review on Apple Podcasts. Jazzy says... A popcorn bucket-filled filmtastic show. I only discovered this show last week and I am now a fan. Binged all the shows to bring myself up to date. The format, the style, the concept are all brilliant. Five stars. Thank you very much, Jazzy Jeff. Drop me an email to triptomovies at gmail.com and we'll send you your tickets. Finally, if you like to watch your interviews rather than listen, you can find the full video interviews in glorious Technicolor over on our Trip to the Movies Patreon. And if you want a little taster of what they're like, why not subscribe to our Trip to the Movies YouTube channel? Okay, back to this episode. If you're ready, let's do this. Hello and welcome to A Trip to the Movies, the podcast where each week a special guest takes us on an incredible journey as they curate their perfect night out at our fantastic virtual cinema. This week we are joined by a brilliant actress of stage and screen whose credits include the wonderful Mark Gatiss and Stephen Moffat series Sherlock, the excellent Neil Gaiman adaptation Good Omens, and was most recently seen in a very, very memorable scene in the first episode of House of the Dragon as Queen Aaron taking us on today's trip to the movies. It's the wonderfully talented Sean Brooke. Sean, hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful. Wonderful to have you on the show. How are you this morning? Do you know what? I'm not too bad. I'm not too shabby for the end of the week. I'm glad it's the end of the week. Yeah. I'm also glad that we're done with January. Yeah. Oh, are you re- are you are you happy to be out of January now? Is it is it not a fun month for you? I am. I'm a bit of yeah. I'm a bit of a like January. Just get your head down, crack through. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's a bit 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 pessimistic, but that's the only way. <laughs> now I feel like now we've got into February. I feel like I can start the year properly. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, February just feels like right. Okay. Now we yes, start, 2023. Spring is on the horizon, and now we can begin. Yeah. I sort of felt like I was. Um, reversing very slowly into 2023. <laughs> you know, like the, you know, like you know, like those lorries that reverse. Beep, beep, beep. That was a bit like, yeah. And now I'm like, I can start now. I can get going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You keep checking the rearview mirror, going, "What is that behind me?" Yeah, so I'm gonna, what I'm is a- that? I don't yeah. like that. I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> oh, um, so. I, I, can we start by talking about House of the Dragon? I, I mentioned it, and obviously it, it was a huge show. Um, I, you appeared in, in one episode, but what a scene. Uh, one of the most powerful, shocking scenes that I've witnessed on TV for a while. Um, just 
I was going to try and explain it myself, but I think it would be better if, if, if you told us what happens to your character or thereabouts, however you want to describe it in that episode. Oh, God. Alex, it was, I want to say it was short and sweet, but I can't say it was sweet. I have to say it was short <laughs> and horrendously gruesome and gory. And, um, but filming it in a really weird way was a lot of fun. <laughs> Um, <laughs> in a really sadistic way, but so it, yeah, it came about because you know I, I I got asked if I would I would appear in Game of Thrones, and I was like, yeah, amazing! And then obviously I read it and went, oh, oh, I die, I die in episode one. Um, but then spoke with people, and they were like, yeah, but like great people died after like Sean Bean and blah blah, and I was like, oh, okay then, all right then, um, and. It was just entering into this world was just so unbelievable because it's such a huge show. Mm. You don't really take it on board. You just, you know, you turn up and do the job. And then when it's seen, all the reaction was just, I totally wasn't prepared for that. But what amazed me, so basically my character, I play um, the queen to the amazing Paddy Considine mm. and um, and she is pregnant and she's had a number of miscarriages and we meet her and this is probably in her head the final time that she wants to go through it all again and very sadly and far too soon for my liking <laughs> she um, <laughs> we she goes through childbirth and obviously it's traumatic and it goes wrong but what happens is in order to save the baby and the heir um which sadly is more important in this time mm. she goes through a very gruesome sort of medieval um cesarean yeah and we see um yeah we see everything um yeah <laughs> but yeah yeah well not everything everything obviously yeah. I have to my modesty, but um yeah that moment, that moment where, like, where she doesn't want the C-section, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to sacrifice you, my wife, for the baby." Yeah. It's, it's. I mean, you, you mentioned Paddy Considine. How much did you and he rehearse something like that, and how much extra do you say for the actual day? God, you know what? That's a really great question because that was one of the most brilliant things. Because I think in a show like that it can afford you time um, to be able to get it right. And that's what amazed me was going on to a franchise like that. The craftsmanship mm. was just out of this world. So basically, months and months before we started filming, I would go to the studio and we would, we would, they would do this prosthetic belly and all these casts of my stomach and my, you know, <laughs> which is a bit weird in itself. Um, and we would do rehearsals of, so rehearsals of the bath scene because they wanted to have the belly appearing above the water. So uh -huh. they would rehearse all that. And then we did a full day, I think a full day of rehearsals for that particular scene where we were in some sort of rehearsal room with a four poster bed and I was lying on this bed and they put this prosthetic belly on me which it was was sort of had had um tubes connected to a I like a a, a spray pump thing you know that you, right. you like a weed killer thing that you spray 
yeah. which was full of blood. And we had to rehearse the timings and everything so that when they'd made the incision, there were these men pumping this blood furiously oh so gosh. that it all came out at the same time. It, it was incredible, but it was a really odd thing lying there and the sensation of this cold, wet blood fluid whatever around mm. you and you're just like oh my god is that me is that me or is that the blood is that me <laughs> um, but, but um but working with paddy was just really easy really like from the get-go i mean i've always been a fan of his he's you know he's phenomenal but he's also from up the road from where i come from yeah so he's a midlander he's literally and it doesn't happen very often like where i'm from I'm from this town in North Staffordshire called Litchfield, and he literally is from like 25 minutes up the road. So it was really lovely to just meet somebody who I have admired for a long time and also from back home. And we didn't talk a huge amount about like the their relationship. It was just organically, it just happened really doesn't always happen but it did and I suppose yeah in terms of like the rehearsal obviously it's more mechanics blah 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 but when you come to do it you have to save you have to save a bit back um but it was a long I think we filmed that over two days that one scene over two days and there was a lot of there was a lot of screaming Alex (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I mean you must be worn out by the end I was, and also like you know, just like that feeling of I—I I have two kids, so I can yeah understand what that's like, and and that thing of just like bracing yourself, and you know, <laughs> being that tense for two days. I was yeah, I was wrung out by the end of it, and I couldn't, I couldn't speak. I sounded okay. like Marge Simpson. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, uh, but but what a scene! I mean. Looking down your your CV, it's 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 like I, I was like, what can we? Which one should we talk about? Because it's like cherry picking from this list of amazing, iconic shows you've been in. I mean, I, let's talk about Sherlock, for example. Joining Sherlock in season four, um, what was that like? Would you would you count that as quite a special moment, becoming part of that series because it was such a loved series? And and Mark Gatiss uh, and Stephen Moffat, just wonderful writers. I imagine getting those scripts is quite a special moment for an actor. Oh, yeah, it totally, it was, I look back and I think, I look back and I think, God, that was such a surreal time. It was, (laughs) it was so special. And I remember it was almost like a dream, really, like looking back at it, because I, like so many people, have been such a fan of that show Mm. since, you know, day one. And it was a time when it was a real Sherlock mania. It mm-hmm. was, you know, it was everywhere and everybody was talking about it. And when it came out, it was like, oh, and, um, and I, I got this call from my agent to say that they want to see you for, you know, a part in Sherlock. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Um, and I just thought, and then they sent me through the script and it was just this one scene. It was this one scene where I was playing, playing a psychiatrist. And I just thought that I was going to do like a guest appearance and that it was just this one character in an episode. So I went along to the audition and, you know, did my, did my part and blah, 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 blah. Um, and I was just so excited that that might be an option. 
And then I got a phone call from my agent to say that they want to recall you. And I was like, oh, brilliant, brilliant. And then they sent me another scene, which was a totally different character. And I just thought, oh, well, they obviously can't decide what character they want me to play. So I'll just go in and do do both. Blah, blah. It's so secretive because it okay. was such a big show. It was so secretive. And um, I went in and did the two different parts and went away. And then they said, they want to bring you back in again. I was like, what? <laughs> it, it's like, what? This is just crazy. I mean, it's just for a little part. And then they told me that actually this was quite a key character and that this character plays multiple characters inside this, this series. And then I was like, wow, 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 wow. Um, and struck with fear. Um, and I remember I went in for the final audition and this is why it was so surreal. So I went in for the final audition. I'm laughing now because, um, they were so busy, Stephen and, and Mark, um, shooting. They were shooting and the series and, um, uh, and they couldn't meet me anywhere else but on set, other than on set. So there was, I went down to, to the unit base um, and then they took me in a car down to the set and they were using this church, this huge church. It was on near South Bank, I think it was. Um, as somewhere to hang out in between in between scenes and in between takes. And that was where the audition was going to be. So I, I went in to the sort of foyer of this church <clears throat> and there were all these extras and, you know, I was like really nervous. All these extras and in the middle of this throng was just like Amanda Abington um, Martin Freeman and Benedict and I was just I was like whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> trying to like play it cool and I had worked with Ben prior to to when uh, we'd done a stage play we'd done Hamlet together he played Hamlet I played Ophelia so we knew each other really well but still it was just he was dressed up as Sherlock and I'd not seen it. I knew him as then. I was like, what? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I had that moment. And then I had to go in and audition. Um, so I then went into this cavernous room. It was like a scene from Sherlock. This huge room inside this, in, 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 well, it was just inside of the church. And there in the corner were... It was like Mecca. There was Stephen and Mark and Sue, virtually the producer. And I, it was the longest walk to get to those chairs. <laughs> and I sat down and auditioned and then the, you know, and the rest is history. But, um, yeah, it was, it was. And, and playing those parts was just, it was like a little gift, really. It was yeah. like going back to, you know, dress up. I was, you, it was, it was sort of like, you know, open up the box, take the wigs out, put the spectacles on, what's the accent, da, da, da. You don't really get to do that as much when you are a fully grown up acting person. Yeah. <laughs> not in one show, not in one show. So it was, it was, it was a joy because as you say, Stephen and Mark, are so bright and so intelligent. So those scripts 
are just like little nuggets of gold. Mm-hmm. Um, and playing a psychopath was really enjoyable. <laughs> oh, it was it was fantastic. You were fantastic in it. Um, that's absolutely brilliant. I mean, you mentioned uh, just then, obviously. Your your work on stage is is uh, almost as prolific as as your work on on screen. Does walking on stage and performing on stage offer you something as an actor that you don't get from performing on screen, from being on a TV show or a film set? Yeah, it's different. They're so they're so different, but I think they have to. You get <laughs> one feeds into the other in in some form. I was talking to somebody about this, and I said. I feel like I started off in theatre. That was where I got my stripes. That was, you know, and 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 I'm so glad that I did because it taught me about um, it taught me about me as a performer and me as an actor, and and it gave me the tools and the confidence. And I learned a lot about myself on stage. And I think the difference is that when you're performing, you're oh gosh, you have four weeks rehearsal to start with. Uh-huh. You're like four weeks, yeah, got loads <laughs> of time, you know? And um, uh, so you were able, you were afforded the possibility of making lots of mistakes. So through making the mistakes, you can find out where you, where the good stuff is. Mm. Um, and also, when you're doing a show, you have a live audience there, so you immediately know, you know, you, you get the feedback and the audience become part of the show they can you you know each reaction that you have is different every night so in some way it informs what you do every night um and and then you know in tv and film it's it's quite a different craft in in i don't know i suppose you well you don't have as much rehearsal you you have to come to it with your opinions and your instincts there so that you can go. Right. Um, yeah. So those, are, I suppose, are the differences. And I and people say to me, oh, would you prefer this? Or do, you pre- do you prefer that? And I think, I'm just greedy and I just like to do a bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely, lovely. Um, Sean, if you're ready, it's time to head to our virtual cinema. You are about to take us on your perfect night out at the cinema. You are our guide. We are your audience. Let's go on a trip to the movies. So we push open the doors to our temple of film and find ourselves in the foyer. There's an excited buzz as there always is in a cinema foyer, the hum of anticipation. So it's your perfect cinema trip, Sean. Who have you picked, living or dead, to go with you? Right. Well, um, listen. It, this it made me think about what it is to go to the cinema. Yeah. Why do I go to the cinema? What does it give me? And I was like, well, it's like a treat. It's always been a treat. It's always been a little bit of a hug going to the cinema. A bit of like, well, it's escapism. A bit of time out. Um, especially as I've got older, and so I was thinking. Yeah, I'd love to go with somebody famous or somebody that I admire, you know, like Tom Hanks or whoever. But I was like, I'd just be too nervous, Alex. <laughs> I'd feel like I had to impress them. <laughs> I'd feel like I had to, you know, fill the silences and, you know, oh, what do you want to watch? Not like what I want to watch. And actually, I'd want to be a bit selfish when I go to the cinema. 
Yep. So um, on that note, I think I'm going to be quite boring because I want to go and sit somewhere where I can be silent and not have to talk. So I'm going to choose my husband. That's that's absolutely fine. What's what? Can I ask your husband's name? My husband's name is Bill. Bill. So you are going to the cinema with Bill. So you're on the same wavelength when it comes to going to the cinema and watching films. You know when you yeah. should speak and when you shouldn't speak. There's, there's there's never any moment where you're like, listen, Bill, can you not talk to me right now? It's all, no, all okay. No, we're very good. We're very good. We're very well behaved when we go to the cinema. We're there to watch the film and we are, yeah, we're silent viewers. And then afterwards, because my husband is also in the industry my husband is a director and so afterwards then we'll chew the fat and then we'll discuss and that i like that because you know you can be honest and and say ah no that was crap i didn't like that um but yeah no during the film no talking you're not allowed to talk during the film uh-huh. not talk and do you in this uh, this chewing the fat afterwards, which must be great to have someone else who works in the industry because you can then sort of talk about the craftsmanship of the film in different ways. You know, coming at it as a director and an actor. So, do you ever uh, does that ever get heated? Do you actually disagree strongly on films, or are you always sort of like, no, nope, I think we we both like the same kind of thing? No, I think genuinely, gen, gen, generally, we do like the same thing. We I can't think of a time when we disagreed about a film where we're sort of on the same path when it comes to what we want to view, um, which is quite good for a marriage. Sounds great. It sounds perfect. And you like the same kind of films as well. You you both like the same genres. Yeah, I think so. In fact, um, the film that I, I've chosen at the end of this <laughs> is, yeah, by, the, uh, by a director who is the director of of one of my husband's favourite films. So in a way, it Ooh. brought us together. Wow. Okay. Okay. I like that. A little uh, little uh, appetizer for what is to come. Okay. So you're going to the cinema with your husband, Bill. It's lovely. By the way, I want a Bill in my life. That sounds absolutely lovely. He sounds, it sounds like the perfect... Well, you can't enemy. have him, Alex. He's mine. <laughs> All right, then. It's you and Bill. Now, there's a clock on the wall in the foyer. It reads a specific time. What time of day have we gone to the cinema? Well, listen, going to the cinema is very different now um, post-kids. Pre-kids, I would go to the cinema whenever I wanted, bosh, it's done. But now I have to think about it. There's a bit of organising that happens. So, yeah, so I was thinking about it. I'm, I'm not a morning person. I never have been. I can't, I can't go and see anything in the morning. I'm just not very empathetic. It takes me <laughs> until about... about about like two, three o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> to actually uh, have any sympathy for anybody else. Um, and so um, so it definitely wouldn't be the morning. And I think now because like I'd have to find a babysitter and all that jazz. Mm. Um, and if I'm going to pay for somebody to sort of look after my kids and for me to have a night out, I'm going to have to make it a bit of an event. Right. So, um with that in mind, I'd probably have to go for a little bite to eat before, just okay. something light. And I would, so that would probably be about what, 6 30. And I'd probably go and watch something about 8 30. 8 30. Because also, I'm, I'm an old fart and I don't want to be home too late. So anything past half past 10, nah, I'm done for. Okay, 8 30. So, 
8.30, that's, that's, a, that's a popular time for people to go to the cinema, I think. I think a lot of people will be going around then. So that's going to be a busy, a busy auditorium. Are you, are you, do you like the communal cinema experience, the energy of a crowd, or do you like a quieter auditorium? Oh, now you've got me. Because I, I like a busy-ish cinema. Because I think, well, also it's quite nice. I just like the thing of communally watching something that everybody's chosen to go and do. But I don't like it too busy. So I'm sort of like three quarters, two thirds full. But also, Alex, I only want well-behaved people in the cinema. (laughs) (laughs) I am. That's it. You can only come in if you're well-behaved. None of this, like, you know rapper nonsense individually wrapped sweets and all that and looking at your phone it's just no it irritates that out of me <laughs> all right good well let's hope this audience are well behaved because you're going at eight thirty with bill now you book the tickets for the cinema trip so where are we going to be sitting in the auditorium We are not going to be sitting at the back because there are too many people in front of me and I get really easily distracted. I mean, if if there's a noise, here at once it's fine, but if it happens again and again, I'm like, I'm on it, I'm on it. And then I'm sort of giving people eagles and things. You know, I'm a bit like a head, headmaster or headmistress in the cinema. I just, no, I don't have that behaviour. And then I won't sit at the front because I won't pay to have a crick in my neck. It's just too close. Um, Isn't it mad? Mad when people, I've, I've never really understood it. When, you, when there are seats available, it's like if it's a full cinema and that's the only seat you could get and you really wanted to go to that screening, sure, that's fine. That might, you, you may really, really have to sit at the front. But to choose to sit at the front, that's weird. No, it's like, and also you can't get the full whole picture. You can't get the perspective of the screen yeah. and all of that. So it's just like, I don't know why, why do people do that? I don't know. Anyway, so I'm going to choose the middle section and probably i don't know like a third row back of the middle section but i have to be on an aisle oh okay that's interesting no because i'm i'm an isler as well i always oh, have to be on yeah but why, why? In the stream. <laughs> why are you an isler why because uh, I, i'd honestly say statistically speaking 90 percent of people go i want to be in the middle a section but also in the middle of a row so why do you pick an aisle seat well it's really boring and it shows my age Alex if I need to go to the toilet I don't have to go past lots of people (laughs) and I can just discreetly get out and come back in so that's my only reason do you have a much cooler reason why you have to be on the aisle that is exactly the same reason as me I just I I I, I can't be that person who goes excuse me excuse me excuse me and then literally five minutes later I'll be back excuse me excuse me it gives me me. I just can't be that person it gives me anxiety I know even now I'm going oh but the other thing is I don't know it's just like it's I don't want to go to the toilet during a film. That's the other thing is I, I just, you shouldn't go to the toilet during the film because it just takes you out of that escapism. It takes yep. you back into reality. So yeah, but there we are. I will go on the aisle. Great. I, I'm, I'm pleased that I, and I also like the fact that we've now got an anthem for ourselves. <laughs> Islas in the Islas in the That was wonderful. That is what we are. <laughs> uh, okay. So 
The air in the foyer. Oh, it's full of wonderful smells. All manner of snacks and foodstuffs are available at the various counters. What are you choosing to eat? Well, I am going to... Well, I'm going to drink... I just, I'm going to drink that vat of Diet Coke. <laughs> because I was thinking about it. And, like, where else do you get Coke and popcorn that size? You no don't one. get that anywhere else, do you? No. It's just no. in the cinema. I wouldn't go to a pub and go, can I just have like three pints of Diet Coke, please? Just in the one. <laughs> so, so you don't get that anywhere else. And so I feel like I'm obliged to have that. I have to have that because it's just here and nowhere else. Um, and I won't have the stinky nachos and the 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 synthetic cheese because of the smell of mm, no 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 okay oh, that's fine that? no 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 I, I i wouldn't either well i always say that and then sometimes i'm like look i i'm just i'm just gonna go all in i'm gonna i'm gonna really go go dirty i'm, I'm gonna no, just no don't you're have... gonna feel really bad about yourself alex don't do that don't go there yeah, you're right. I do. This is self-loathing afterwards. It's but it like, is. Like, it's like that cheese that looks like when I was a kid. Do you remember that like squeezy stuff that would come out the tube? Yep. No, no, no. Don't do okay, that. Okay. No. Nachos. No nachos. No nachos. Sure. No nachos. Okay. No nachos. And then um, I would I would I would go um, popcorn, and if I'm pushing the boat out, I'd have some rebels. Okay. Okay, so do you, did you say you are having popcorn? Yeah, I'd have popcorn. Okay, yeah. so popcorn, sweet or salted? Mixed. I'd have to yeah. go mixed because it's just, it's it's not as boring. I wouldn't, you know, every little mouthful is a surprise. Um, in fact, you know what? Prior, before meeting my husband, I would always have sweet because I don't know, maybe it was just that I didn't really know. I didn't really uh -huh. know that there was a salted thing going on. And when I met okay. my husband, I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm So you, you, you were completely unaware? You, you, when I you was went unaware to... of this. <laughs> okay. Of, yeah, and so my, my husband was like, no, try this sweet and salty thing. I was like, nah, I'm not having that. And then actually, yeah, he opened my eyes. So um, I would have the vat of popcorn as well, which you never think you're going to finish. Mm. You go, I won't finish that, I won't finish that, and you do. And rebels because again you don't know what you're gonna get. You like that then? You like you like the mystery of? I like, do what, like the mystery. Okay. Otherwise, it's just a bit monotonous. Um, I, I have to ask because I've I've only learned about this recently. Do you ever find uh, yourself chucking the rebels into the popcorn? Because <gasps> yes. Oh, you do. Yeah, yeah. Because you know you go through and then suddenly you might want find one at the bottom. Oh. <laughs> and I say actually that you never know what a rebel is, but you do secretly, don't you? Just from the shape of them. Oh, can you tell? I've I've never I've never had rebels in my life. I've never eaten a rebel. What? So this is this is this is all new to me. This is fresh ground. You've never had a rebel? No, no. Uh, I didn't realise. So what flavours are there again? Remind me. Well, there's like the <laughs> I'm like a rebel connoisseur. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's gonna be my autobiography the rebel connoisseur um i well there's like the minstrel one and then there's the the coffee cream the orange cream and then there's the peanut one the raisin one maybe they're not the peanut one anymore the raisin one and then there's the the caramel one 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I feel I, like I need to introduce you to the world of Rebels. I mean, they sound like they sound like the the the, the chocolates that no one wants from a, a chocolate box. Coffee. There's a, co- yeah. a coffee. An orange. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you're but telling you have me that. But you have to have the bad to appreciate the good, do you see? Right. Okay. Okay. So at various stages, it's awful and then nice and then awful again. Yeah. Yeah. A bit like life. (laughs) Okay. So really, Revels are representative of the journey of life. It's a, it's a, it's, 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 yeah, sure. I'll go with that. I'm looking forward to my first uh, Revel experience. Right. It's time to leave the foyer now and walk down the corridor towards the auditorium. Posters along the cinema wall illustrate some of your most important movie memories. So the first poster we're going to put up is your fondest movie memory. What's your fondest movie memory? Well, my fondest movie memory is not because of the film, so it's not like my favourite film or anything. It's a good film, Mm -hmm. but it's... um, my fondest memory because of the experience and wait, wait I need to drink sorry that's me drinking a, a bit of water that's but, absolutely um, fine and <laughs> um, my uh, yeah my fondest memory is going back to when I was 12 um it was my 12th birthday and my mum said that she would take me and a group of my friends to the cinema um as a treat and so it, I even remember what I was wearing, Alex. It was so excited. It was such a rite of passage. You'd go out with my mates for the evening. <laughs> and um, I was wearing, I was wearing a, a green and white striped overly sized man's shirt, which I'd nicked from my sister, <laughs> and some faded blue baggy denim dungarees and um, big high-tech trainers. This is, uh, this is early nineties. Yep. This is early nineties. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm working that out. Yeah, it yeah, sounds good though. And um, and we went to the cinema, and we went to see a film. And I don't know whether you you recall it. It's called City Slickers. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, I remember um, this. Billy Crystal, Billy and Crystal, um, Daniel Pal- Stern. Yeah. Jack- yeah, yeah, yeah. And we went to see this film, um, and. I mean, it's such a bizarre choice for a group of sort of teenage girls because the film is essentially about these three men who are having a midlife crisis, <laughs> and that they go, they go to Montana to some sort of cowboy ranch and try and find the meaning of life. Um, and it is—it's a really good film, but yeah, it was such an odd choice. Anyway, so we go to the cinema and we get there, and I'm so excited. And um, and my mum is there because she's chaperoning. But um, but we go in the cinema and it was me and six friends and we were literally the only people in the cinema. <laughs> we were the only ones there. I mean, it may be that it was it was Warsaw on a Wednesday night and nobody else wanted to see City Slickers. Sure. But, but that cinema was empty. And as a 12-year-old me... I was like, and it was my birthday. I was like, this is so special. It's like I've hired the whole of the cinema just for me. <laughs> um, and it's never happened since. That has never happened since. And um, I even remember like putting my feet up on the seat in front of me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was really special. So you basically had a private screening room 
Like when you used to watch yeah. MTV Cribs and people had like, you've got a screening room in your house. It was like that. But it was yeah, a, 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 it was like that. And as I say, it's never, ever happened since. Wow. Um, although sometimes I would want it to happen with those um, misbehaving people that go to the cinema <laughs> with their noisy food and stuff. But there we are. That's amazing. So I, I, I am still fascinated at the, the fact that your mum said, so you can see absolutely any film at all, anything you like. And, and you went, definitely City Slickers. That's, uh, that's it. <laughs> No, if it can I be think... any movie, City Slickers. You know the what? one about the guys having the midlife crisis? Mum, I want to see it. <laughs> I know. I think I was a bit random. I also think Billy, I love Billy Crystal. I think he's great. So I think it was that attraction. But I also wonder whether, because we travelled to Warsaw, which is like half an hour from my house, and I think my mum just must have had a special offer. Um, <laughs> So I don't think it was about me. I don't think I had that much much choice in, you know, yeah. in the picking. But yeah. Sure, sure. If I'd been your mum and I'd gone, and by the way, once I got there and saw that it was empty, I'd be like, by the way, I hired the place for you. Happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. She should have done that, but she, no, no. She just sat oh. in the back and pretended she wasn't there. <laughs> Hid the coupons from the paper that said, <laughs> uh, free, free tickets to City Slickers on a Wednesday night. Um, awesome. I'll put up a City Slickers poster to remind you of that day. Right. Walking further down the corridor, the next poster we're going to put up depicts your worst movie memory. What is it? Again, this is not because of the movie, because the movie <coughs> is great. Um, this is because, obviously, it was just not a very nice experience at all. And I remember it. And I think, Alex, this is probably one of my earliest memories. Like my earliest childhood memories. Not even the cinema, just in life, in, t in, in your life. existence. In oh, life. wow, okay. I, I don't remember much. My memory's so bad, but I remember this. So growing up, I'm one of three kids, and we grew up going on holiday. We had a touring caravan, a Monza touring caravan. And we'd go, our holidays would be around like the British Isles, going to Wales, going to Cornwall, going to the Lake District and walking, 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 walking. That's what we did. It was joyous. And um, nice. this lovely. particular holiday, this particular holiday, we were down in Devon and I think it must have been well, it raining because that's what it did. That's my biggest memory of my childhood is it, it, it rained and we walked in Peter Storm Cabals. <laughs> and, <clears throat> and it must have been raining for days on end. And I think by the fifth day, my mum and dad were at their wits end. And, you know, you've got three kids in a confined space in a caravan that they went, no, sod it, we're going to go to the cinema. So... <laughs> we went to the cinema and we went to it was a, it was a small town I don't know what the name of it was but I remember it was a tiny cinema you know like an old-fashioned tiny cinema with ushers and all of that yeah. and chalk ices and blah 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 old school <laughs> chalk um, ices oh. yeah you remember <laughs> yeah the I haven't, I haven't the heard the word like, chalk ice. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. and um and so we went and the film on at the time was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Okay. Great film. Great, Great film. film. Great film. But I'm five. I'm five at the time. And the film starts... And you know that scene? It's amazing. At the top, it's like, anything or all that. It's great, great, great. And then it goes into this sort of temple, you know, place. And then there's this 
human sacrifice. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He takes the, the heart out of the chest. Yeah. Karima Shatide. And you're like, and there's a doom, 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 doom. And he puts his heart, and then he retrieves this heart from this man. And I'm five. <laughs> and I'm going, I'm like, oh, ah, screaming, crying, horrible, horrible, really affected, really affected, feel everything on a very deep level. And my mum's just like, oh, God, got to get you out, child, got to get the child out <laughs> of the cinema. And... Um, and bless her, you know, this woman's been having three kids in the caravan for the last week and then she's having to <laughs> to deal with this screaming child that's having a breakdown. She takes me into the foyer and we sit down and uh, calm me down. And then this lovely lady, older lady who was an usher there, brings me a chalk ice and calms me down with my mum. And then, and then she says to my mum, Oh, do you want me to look after your daughter and you can go back? Total stranger. Somebody I've, I've never met in my whole life. <laughs> she says, do you want me to look? And only meant, well, do you want me to look after your daughter? And my mum was like, oh, would you? Would you? <laughs> my mum goes back into the cinema. And for the rest of the film, and this is the beginning of the film, it started, you know, I've walked out at the beginning. I'm sat with this lady who's lovely, but I'm like, I don't know who you are. And I had to sit with her for the rest of the film while my whole family watched Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Wow. I mean, <laughs> that's that's a, it's a hell of a memory. And I'm not surprised it's one of your earliest memories. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> good. Ha, I mean... Have you watched Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom since? Uh, does it, I have does it... watched it. I have watched it since. I've watched it since. And even now, when I, when I watch that sequence, I go, oh, my God. I, can th I remember that time. I remember that time of being in that cinema. I, it's, it's very powerful stuff. That's... That's crazy. I, I I I feel like I, I I went on the journey with you there because what an opening. Kate Capshaw singing Anything Goes. I bet as a five-year-old, you're like, this is wonderful. A dance number, choreography. Amazing. And I yeah. loved, I used to love that era as well. I was like, yeah, yeah it's like dancing and all of that <laughs> jazz. And then you're like, oh, well, 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 I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> this has totally thrown me. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I don't think you were alone there. I think the filmmakers got into a little bit of trouble with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom because it was quite dark. It was the dark, it was very, very dark. And I may be wrong, but I think it's the movie that ushered in the PG-13 rating in the States because I don't yes, think that it existed. Is. Yeah, it is. And I wonder when they did that because I think it was in cinemas and then they had to change the rating of it or something. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I, I mean, heard about a little girl in Cornwall, in Devon, rather, having to yeah. sit in the foyer with a stranger, and they were like, "Oh, there's all the evidence we need. Let's change that rating system." But I, yeah. was, I heard that, like, um, I heard that it's so dark or gruesome or whatever that film, or it takes a different sort of, you know, path than the others, um, because George Lucas and Steven Spielberg had both split up with long from long-term relationships so they were not in a very good place <laughs> so i think they were trying to inflict pain upon humanity yeah yeah <laughs> well they well, did it they did it if, whatever works for you if your therapy is terrifying an entire generation of children with hearts coming out of chest if it makes you feel good <laughs> just do it do your thing yeah. Yeah. all right indiana jones and the temple of doom
That's the poster we're putting up next. Right. Our third post that we're going to put up depicts the last performance that brought you to tears. What is it? Oh, man. I cry everything, Alex. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm a real blubber. I am a real blubber. I just, I cry everything. And my family, like, if I'm sat at home with my husband, I've got two boys, young boys, and if we're sat watching something, they always, if it's like the music starts to get a bit sad or whatever, or we know we're going down that path, they always turn and look at me and go, are you crying, mummy? Are you crying? Are you crying? <laughs> so I am, yeah. I'm the choir. But the that's, me- that's nice. Do you feel comfortable? Because I... I, I, I'm a little bit of a crier as well, but I still, even now as an adult, like I, I feel embarrassed if I cry at films. And, and less, that's why I love the cinema because no one can see you. You're in the dark. You can, you, yeah, I, I, it's a weird thing. I know. I just freely and openly show my emotions. That's, lo- that's lovely. <laughs> and, I like that. Yeah, I like a good cry. I mean, but the, I, you just made me think if like we went – Oh, and this is a time when I was embarrassed, and I think I embarrassed my children. Well, me and my husband, we went to see. Um, we went. We took our kids to go and see Coco. Have you oh, seen Coco? Wow. Yes. And yeah. um, and it's you know all about death and family members that have gone before. And I was being sat there with my kids. It was like honestly, I was uncontrollable, un like. I like and my husband. My husband's not a crier. He was uncontrollable. My two kids were like, "What has come <laughs> over you?" And we were, we were like, we were that, like, <laughs> that sort of crying, that, like, <laughs> and then trying to be silent. And my 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 kids going, "Shh, what are you doing? What are you doing?" Um. So yeah, I just yeah remember that. But anyway, the film that, that recently recently made me um bawl my eyes out was the banshees of inner sharon oh Oh. i mean is it is it the scene that i it might be a little bit of a spoiler so um, is it is it is it donkey (gasps) it's donkey it's donkey alex it's like oh my gosh but he colin farrell is just that film anyway is a piece of genius it's a masterpiece in that style of filmmaking it really is i love martin mcdonough anyway he's he's a god but um but that film every single part of that film is just top notch pitch perfect and colin farrell plays that character this pure hearted character and when he has, there's a moment, and it's not only it's just he he is holding a donkey, oh. and 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 yeah, and I just was like, that's just a thing of beauty, and it made me feel everything. Um, but yeah, that film, that film is so phenomenal. We finished watching, we watched it at home, and we finished watching it, and I just turned to my husband, and I just went. Oh, that's really brave filmmaking. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? I do. I do. I, I, it's, it, 
the bit the bit where he's then writing the letter to his sister and he pretends the donkey is still alive and he's, he's writing to her saying and I, I i can't remember what it's called daisy or something it's like she's here jenny maybe she's here yeah jenny, like, jenny. yeah jenny she's here as i'm writing to you and i was oh yeah. It's so heartbreaking. But all the relationships in that are just joyous. Like him, like Colin Farrell and Kerry Condon. Like just when they go to bed at night, even that thing of like, you know, those two single beds and this, this, it, it, there's so much to unpick in that film. Like he's got this, you know, the feeling of of the vast end of the world and nothing happening but everything happening <laughs> yeah yeah um I, he's uh he's my uh he's my top pick for uh the best actor oscar uh oh, yeah. i think i'm i think it may go to brendan fraser and i think brendan fraser is uh it's great it's great in the whale but for me yeah. like colin farrell has just done such good work for so long now <gasps> and this he? is like he's been like on this roll of like fantastic 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 and this is like the best thing i've seen him in like ever yeah i think you know what i think there's something really interesting about him i think that he he's for me when i'm watching him i, I can't see any ego in his acting i know that's really like no awareness he's just it's very um honest and um i think he's one of the finest actors of this generation for me um and so i yeah it would be great to to see him get that oscar but also is it what's his um what's the guy is it oh keown um oh uh, barry barry keown Barry Keown. yeah yeah he is spectacular mm. in it yeah i mean he just i don't know he dances around in that part um effortlessly um yeah so yeah so anyway, that was the film that made me cry like a baby. Yeah, I, it's I I have a weird thing. Not everyone has this, uh, but I, for some reason, animals um, dying or like suffering in films is a real trigger for me. Like almost more than people. Like I, obviously, I'm not. You know, when bad things happen to people. It, it you know, it's upsetting. But animals, it just gets me right here. It just, yeah. Like, oh. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Even in Jurassic Park, when the dinosaurs are are dying, (laughs) when they (laughs) go towards, I'm like, oh god, it's so sad. Yeah, but then I say I quiet everything, so it doesn't take much. I'm very happy to put up a poster for the Banshees of Inner Sharon, and our final poster before we leave the corridor, we're going to put up a poster that depicts your unpopular movie opinion. What is it? My unpopular movie opinion, and I will probably be ostracised for this, um, is that I don't really like the character of Mary Poppins. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've said it. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think Julie Andrews is great. I love uh-huh. Julie Andrews. Don't get me wrong, but. I just didn't like Mary Poppins. I felt, in fact, I don't think I fully watched the whole film all the way through. I um, I just found her a bit, a bit patronising. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. 
Oh, oh, and it, is, is she not trying to? She's more helpful though, isn't no, it? She's but like, I just find her a bit too sickly sweet and a bit patronising and a bit like, like a bit cold. I was like, if I'm if I wanted a nanny, I'd want someone I can cuddle that uh-huh. gives me a big cuddle and is like uh, a bit naughty, lets you have the sweet when your mum's not looking. Um, and yeah, and so that's my that's my unpopular movie opinion. But do you, do you not think she she's got a little bit of a naughty streak, Mary, when she gets on the she's rooftops? Not naughty and enough, when... though, Alex. She's not naughty enough. No, she, me, she goes to the races. Yeah, yeah, but then but then she's like when the kids are on the rooftop and um, and uh, like Dick yeah, Van Dyke's that's like stepping. That's him, Mister Time. <laughs> yeah, stepping time. She gets swept up in the moment. She's like, "All oh, right, then let's you have know, a bit of a dance." I just don't want that spoonful of sugar. I don't want the spoonful <laughs> of sugar. Um, I'm not. But then, and this is gonna. Now I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm. Um, I do the Andrew said, but I'm not. The other problem. The other thing is that I don't like sound of music either. I, yeah, okay. I, yeah, I can agree with that. that. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't like the sound of music. I, the only reason I'm, I'm I'm asking about the Mary Poppins thing is because it's one of the few musical films that I actually like. Uh, like, oh, it's really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've even I've even performed supercalifragilisticexpialidocious dressed as Mary Poppins. So this what, is what 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 stop there stop there. How did that happen, and where was this? Yeah, uh, I, I'd like to say it was on my own, although that makes it even weirder. No, I did. Um, it, I did it on stage once. As a, as a, as a, like, it's a, it's a, it's a very long story. But suffice to say, I was dressed as Mary Poppins, uh, and I, I didn't realize that "Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious" is a dual song where they both take a line, and it's very difficult to do on your own. So I, I, I nearly passed out because I couldn't breathe by the end. Uh, was it the undid little undid lies? Yeah, undid little undid lies. Is that the thing that got you? Yeah, it was. Is there it video was, footage of this? I think we'll leave it there. Uh, let's put up a <laughs> let's put up a poster of Mary Poppins as your unpopular movie opinion. Fantastic! <laughs> right, we've arrived at the last set of doors. Now there is a queue of people hoping to join you and Bill in the cinema. They are very well behaved people. Are we going to let them in? Yes, yes, but they have to have read the rules, so okay. I will let them in. They well, can the all crowd. Come in. The crowd go wild in a very well-behaved manner. So we're into the auditorium. You've taken your seats. Now, before we get into the movie that you're going to be playing, there's a few things we'd like to do. Uh, First of all, we're going to play a trailer for the film that you're most looking forward to. What is it? Okay, this is a film that I don't even think it's been completed yet. So can I have this? Yeah, you can have it, yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, uh, So there isn't a trailer, but I I read somewhere that... And this is a bit of a might be a weird one. Tom Holland is going to be playing Fred Astaire in. Whoa! Yes, I didn't even know this. This is news to yeah. me. I'm a big Tom Holland fan, so tell oh, me. I, okay, so I read it. Oh my gosh, I might be wrong now, Alex. No, no, no. But you probably I read, not. I read that Tom Holland is going to be playing Fred Astaire in a biopic about Fred Astaire, and um, I really want to see this because I. I think he's a great actor. I think he's cracking. I haven't seen him like in everything. Um, I I have to confess, but my kids, 
my kids are really into superhero films in Marvel and, 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 and it's never really been my bag. Like, I don't think I've totally appreciated them, but they wanted to go and see the latest Spider-Man one, the, the most recent one. And so I, I took them along and he was just, he's just, he's, br- he's a brilliant little act, like a brilliant young actor. And again, I cried my blooming eyes out. I was totally not expecting it. I was totally yeah. not expecting it. But I think he's cracking. And I think I'm really excited to see his career. I think there's going to be so many things. Because also he's he's multi-talented. Yeah. He also dances like, you know. I was going to say, yeah, the, kid, the, the, kid, the kid can move. Oh, well, I the remember. The kid can dance. Uh, I, uh, there's the, the, the famous lip sync uh, battle where he did Rihanna's Umbrella. Yeah. which. I, I watched it and I was just like, oh my God, that's How fantastic. How do you do that? How do you do that? <laughs> but I think he, he, I know he played, um, he was in Billy Elliot in the stage version, wasn't he? And, and so I know he's like a, tri- he's like a triple threat, isn't he? And, yeah, yeah. um, and also he, he comes from where, near where we live. So I'm sort of championing him, but I would love to see him, um, play Fred Stone. I'm really intrigued to see how they do it and what that sort of concept is. Um, so, yeah. Okay. We're playing a, 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 a bootlegged trailer of the as yet unfinished Fred Astaire <laughs> biopic starring Tom Holland. That's great. The audience are in for a real treat there because no one else on the planet has seen that. Right. <laughs> and it might now we're gonna... exist. <laughs> now we're going to play your favourite shot or sequence from a film. What are we playing? Um, It's the ending sequence in Thelma and Louise. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just... Again, well, I've recently read um, Gina Davis's autobiography, and I suppose that's probably why it's in my head. Um, uh, and that ending sequence is just so, it makes you feel everything. It's like that helicopter c- comes up from the Grand Canyon, epic, you know, scenery, comes up from the Grand Canyon, and then in the back of shot, you see all those police cars lining up and they are surrounded. It's the end. And then it goes to just this two shot of the of them in the car. And it's just such a beautiful moment. It's like, I don't know. And I always cry, always cry. And it's it's just something so special about that friendship and that it it that romance between those two women. Um, that I think I can't remember. Gina Davis said something like something switched inside of me. I can't remember, and I can't go back now. Um, and then they have this kiss, which isn't like it. It's just like this beautiful kiss between these women. That and then they go, and it's yeah, it's just genius. And also the music at that point is amazing too. Yeah, yeah. I, I weirdly, I, it's quite fresh in my mind. I only, I never saw it as a kid or when I was younger when it came out. Um, despite being a big Gina Davis fan, I mean, I, I loved her in like The Long Kiss Goodnight and stuff, all the like mm. the nineties the, the movies. But yeah. yeah, I watched it recently, and I was just like, I, I think if I'd seen it 
and I didn't know it was going to happen, it would have had like an even more pronounced effect on me. But obviously I knew it was coming because you can't escape like pop culture moments like that. But yeah, what a moment. Yeah, it really is. And then like even in the end, you know, when they they go off the cliff and that they choose to end it up in the air, not on the trajectory down, it's up in the air. And it's such a precise thing that Ridley Scott's done. It's like that moment of takeoff that they have chosen their own destiny. And it's like, it's really odd sensation as a viewer that these people are about to die and yet there's elation in it. It's, you know, it's a really odd thing. But then I was reading something like that um, he... In, I think it's in the book that he um he he was he he was possibly going to do a different ending. Oh really? Yeah, so he was possibly going to do a different ending where they were driving off the cliff and at the very last moment Susan Sarandon's character pushes um Gina Davis out of the car. So saves her, ultimately saves her and then goes and I was like, Oh, that that wouldn't work. It'd just be of such a different ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, great stuff. Right, we're playing the end of Thelma and Louise. Uh, now, you very kindly printed out T-shirts as a gift for our audience and Bill with your favourite movie quote on the front. Thank you, Sean. What is your favourite movie quote? Um, so my favourite movie quote is, I don't know whether I can have this on a T-shirt. It's from, oh. <laughs> because it, it, it might be, it's hard, this film. In Bruges, basically, is what I've chosen. It's from In Bruges, another Martin McDonough film, but it's the dialogue in that film is so classy. It's so funny. It's so witty. Um, and you can choose so many different, you know, quotes from that film. Um, but I love particularly Ray Fiennes in that film. Yeah. He is so good. He's at his best in that film. Do you think that he's just... He's, yeah. He's terrifying in it, as I remember. He's terrifying. I mean, you know, Schindler's List and Grand Budapest Hotel, but there's something in that film. He just plays it so well. And, I mean, the thing is, there's a lot of expletives in that film, you know? <laughs> so that's what I'm talking about. If I put something on a T-shirt, it's a bit, yeah. So the only one that I could think was like, um, you are, because you are an inanimate effing object and i think i'd quite like that on a t-shirt um uh, and that would do me very well uh, yeah yeah he's yeah he's uh he's I mean, I mean obviously you said already that you're a fan of martin mcdonough he's just like uh, like the guys like three billboards outside Ebbing, missouri i was just like oh my god and then <gasps> like the banshees of inner sharon recently like you said it's like the guy is just he a really, phenomenal phenomenal he really writer is. and director yeah. And he, um, like that film in Bruges is so damn sad. That's another one. You know, Brendan Gleeson, what that character does for Colin Farrell's character, like throwing himself off the bell tower, it breaks my heart. And then I suppose I was thinking about it and what what... Uh, it's interesting. I wonder what the next film, if indeed they do do another film together, that relationship between the two of them. So in Bruges, it's sort of like father son, and and gives himself up for this child. And then in 
Banshees of Inisherin, he's totally exasperated by this child. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And yeah, just wants yeah. to get away from this child and get away from this. And so I'm just like, I wonder whether there's going to be like a, a a trilogy or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, where would it go next? Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I, I had to Google after I finished watching the Banshees of Inner Sherry, the end. I, I had to. I I I, I was like. I'm going to need that explained to me because I was like, what? I don't. I wasn't sure what to take from it because the end it sort of ends quite abruptly, and maybe yeah. I was just so engrossed with this relationship that it like it like to be dragged out of it quite so suddenly. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. But I love films like that. Do you? I mean, it finishes and you have so many questions unanswered, and then it sits with you a film like that, and you have to figure it out, and maybe you figured it out in a totally different way to somebody else. And I think yeah. it means something totally different to you. But I don't know, he captured that thing of that m- small village mentality of like feuding and you can fall out with people and then Jesus, life has, yeah. life continues, doesn't it? It's like, and that whole, that whole thing that Brendan Gleeson's character, Colm, <gasps> sort of, his obsession with needing to leave a mark on the planet, yeah, needing like, to have some body of work that people will remember him by. Yeah, it, it, he it is. And that impending doom of like, he's so aware of him, you know, of, 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 of death on the horizon that you, he, as you say, he has to have some form of legacy, but then also the, the, the lengths that he will go to like chopping off his finger. Oh, oh sorry. I've yeah. Said, yeah but no, no, no. You, I, I went, Oh, because it's, it, the chopping off the fingers is one thing, but it's it's the bit where he then goes to play with his musician friends with no fingers, and he's just thrusting the fiddle backwards and forwards with his good hand. It's like I, that scene has stuck with me. I know it's so violent, but um, yeah, yeah, it's a. In, I mean, they he, yeah, body of works like amazing. <laughs> Brilliant. We've got one more thing to do then before we go to the movie that you've picked for us. And we're going to play your favourite song or score from a film. What are we playing? Oh, this is so hard. <laughs> These questions are so hard because you're like, I don't know, like there's so many, um, you know, through your life. It's it's really weird. And like, it made me think about the what it is, like what music offers to a film and what, you know, it, it does and it's like scores and soundtracks sit in little camps of what they give you as an ex- a movie goer and how they change your experience and it made me think like one instance when I was 14 we were staying with this French family and the uh-huh. daughter of the family put on a film um, and it was in French no subtitles it was um, The Big Blue the uh, Luke Besson yeah. film and yeah. my French at that time, Alex was so limited. I didn't me know what they were saying totally. Um, but I remember, I remember the music from that film. It was, it was incredible. It was, it was so atmospheric. It had this sort of, I remember it to this day, I haven't seen the film in years. But it's about, the film's about these free divers, so they dive without oxygen. Um, and the famous free divers. And, and it just, transported me to what it would be like and why it was such a passion for these guys to be underwater because of the music the music had this like 
sonar thing going on and then like crackling stuff you know um and I was like I understood that film even though I couldn't totally understand the language more but I understood it more because of the music and then years years down the line I had never gone scuba diving I went scuba diving and when I was underwater I went I heard that music in my head (laughs) I heard that music in my head and I went like this and I was like oh my god this is what it's like so that's what like so soundtracks I think you know you can go and see something and 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 I don't think you totally take on board how brilliant the music is but anyway that was one experience but the film that I've chosen Alex is and the reason I've chosen this film is because the film wouldn't exist without the story without the music is the Blues Brothers Oh, wow. Wow. I, I, lo- I love that film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, t- tell me tell me why you've picked it. Well, the reason I picked that film is because what I said, the film would not exist without two guys' passion yep. for rhythm and blues. And I don't think it would happen now, that film. I don't think it would, ex- it, it, it would come to fruition. But... Um, I just, so my mum, my mum used to listen to a lot of soul, introduced me to Stevie Wonder and various people. And then my auntie, I remember, I remember the day when my auntie played and Aretha Franklin was in her van and she put this cassette on and it was Aretha Franklin. And I remember the time when I started listening to it and I was like, wow, this world is incredible. And then we were at my grand's, it was a Saturday night, my auntie and uncle walk in dressed in black suits, black hats and sunglasses and black ties. And we were like, what? And they were going to a fancy dress, um, a fancy dress party as the Blues Brothers and having, I didn't know who the Blues Brothers were, but they introduced me to the Blues Brothers. And that film, that film is just so good. It's so good. It's so like, and you, you wouldn't get all those artists in one film now. Like Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, Ray Charles you know, John Lee Hooker. Hooker. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I think probably my favourite like song or sequence is Ray Charles. Yeah. Ray yeah, Charles it's a bit, on the keyboard. Yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, when he pulls the gun. Like when the kid's trying to steal like his the keyboard or the guitar or something. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Even yeah. though he's blind, he like he he's knows like, no. he's there. Yeah. I know. But he is that there's a there's a real anticipation because I think it's already been set up that like you've got Aretha Franklin and she sings and then you meet Ray Charles in that store, in that music store, and then they talk talking about this like keyboard and going, This is nothing, this keyboard's terrible, <laughs> blah 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 blah. And yeah. then Ray Charles is like that keyboard ain't terrible. And you're like, yep. he's going to play the keyboard. Yep, and then he gets yep. on and he's like, doo, 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 doo. and <laughs> I just, I just think it's a work of genius. And like John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd, you know, they, they just, they're so cool, cool cucumber, cool as cucumbers. And then, so they and then when they break into dance, it's just joyous. You don't totally unexpected. Um, but yeah. I think that has to be my soundtrack. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, my mum used that film as a, a bit of a Trojan horse of a movie to get me into uh, 
blues music because uh, she went, you'll like this. There's a lot of car chases in it. And I was like, well, all right, I love car chases. And then obviously by the end I was like, and the music too. But the car chases really. But, but the, the car chases too. are brilliant. <laughs> Epic. Yeah. I mean, they're like brilliant. right from the get-go when they go over the bridge. You know, when you set, start a film like that, you're like, this is going to be good. <laughs> and, and, the, like, and the pile-up of the police cars at the end. <laughs> it's just like what insane yep yep uh it's 106 miles to chicago we got a full tank of gas <laughs> half pack of cigarettes it's dark and we're wearing sunglasses Hit it. Genius. great film yeah all right we've we've arrived then it's time now to screen for your husband bill and this very well-behaved audience the movie you've picked for us tonight the movie of all others that you are playing for our audience, what movie have you picked, Sean? Okay, Alex, the movie that I've picked, because I've never seen it on a big screen and I'm just so, I would be so excited. So is this actually going to happen? I hope you're going to make this happen. <laughs> is The Princess Bride. Oh, Wow. I love that film. That film has lived with me since I was like 10. And it's a film I go back to time and time and time again. And every single time I watch it, I just smile like a child. It makes me feel like I'm 10 again. Um I we we were we were quite late in getting a video player at home. Yeah. Um, and my dad got this video player and I remember I was I was off school, I was sick and my dad, we were in Birmingham for some reason and he took me to HMV and my dad's not a big like film buff or anything like that um, and he just picked out this film, just this random film and I was like, yeah, all right then, you know. Anyway, went home, put it on and that was it, really. I was just in my element. It's such a joyous treat. It's true escapism. So, so wait, your your experience of watching The Princess Bride for the first time was the equivalent of Fred Savage in the movie in that you were off school sick like he is. You nailed it. It was. It was like, and I think maybe that's why I've got such a strong connection with it. Um. And also Fred Savage at the time. Do you remember? Oh, what's the Wonder Years? Wonder Years, yeah. The Wonder Years was so big when I was growing up. So I was like instantly hooked from the get go seeing Fred Savage. I was like, oh my God. And then, and then it's just, it's, it's really funny. It's my sense of childish humor. <laughs> um, it just gets, that's my sense of humor. And, and it's an instant thing. Like if I meet somebody that really loves that film, I'm like, whoa, brilliant. It's it's a shorthand, really. Um, but it's it's just got everything. And all the actors that are in it, you look back and you think, you know, Mandy Patinkin, um, oh, yeah. Robin Wright. Robin Wright. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That started my crush on Robin Wright. I wanted to be, I wanted to be Robin Wright. I wanted to be Princess Buttercup. Buttercup, yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. I, I, it's great. I, I, I was a huge uh, 
I was a huge Columbo fan as a kid. Quite strange thing to to I, like. I used to do fancy dress as Columbo when everyone else was like Spider Man and Batman. I, I'd dress as Columbo. So Peter Falk, like reading Fred Savage, I was like, oh, it, it was my dream to have Peter Falk read me a bedtime story. That is genius. I'm just having this image of you just as Columbo. How old were you? Uh, I was about like eight or nine and like I was wearing this trench coat like Columbo I mean I I honestly in my head I thought I looked like Columbo the reality is I look like a tiny flasher uh, so it wasn't it wasn't a, 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 the Mary Poppins costume on <laughs> oh what a movie I love that I love the I fact do you I love it's bro. just it's a really, it's a really, it's a clever movie. And then it's just got so many great, like, you've got Peter Cook in it. Of course. Princess oh. Bard, <laughs> And Mowage. Mowage. <laughs> and Mel Smith. Mel Smith yep. in it. And then Billy Crystal. Your Billy Crystal turns Billy Crystal. up. Yeah. As, yeah, it's, it's, um, and as I say, I introduced my kids to it. And that's been a real joy as well because they just love it. So it's sort of yeah, it, it, it's one that's going to stay with me forever. And I, I, I would, I would really love to see it on the big screen finally. I love it. What a great reason as well to play it in our cinema on the big screen, The Princess Bride. Wow. That's it. The curtains have closed. The guests are milling out, smiling, chatting, and thanking you. Sean, for taking them on an incredible night out of the movies. But before you go, it's time for this week's mystery question. As we say, what's in the box? So I actually have a box. Mystery question. Very immersive. Okay. So, oh, an interesting one this week. Uh, you starred in one of House of the Dragon's most horrifying scenes, but what do you consider one of the most horrifying scenes you've ever seen in a film? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's so hard. That's yeah. Any has I any mean, scene ever disturbed you? Well, I uh, have to, to the... go back to the Temple of Doom, don't I? Because that oh is God. that is the most horrifying thing <laughs> I've ever seen. But then I probably Silence of the Lambs as well. I remember my brother used to put it on because he knew that it terrified the bejesus out of me, and I had to put my fingers in my ears. And close my eyes and run out the room. So, and he used to do that to to torment me. Um, so it was. Was there a particular scene in that that really upset you? I mean, it's there's uh, uh, plenty to choose from. I remember. I did. The, uh, well, um, the one. Now, is it in Silent Sounds? But you wish where she's in the pit. Yeah, that's yeah. 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 In the pit, yeah. that was it. I just rubs the lotion on its oh, skin. Oh my god, I just can't Ugh. even now. Like I would, li I would literally have to run out the room, screaming to drown out the sound from the television. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's another one that scarred me. That's I'll I'll take that I'll take that answer. Yes, yeah. Silence of the Lambs, the girl in the pit. Uh, yeah, that is it's a it's a very very good answer. Right, Sean, that is it. Your taxi has arrived to ferry you back to reality. But before you leave, let's recap your perfect night out at the cinema. You are going to the cinema with your husband, Bill, at eight thirty p.m. You are sitting in the middle, but on the aisle because. Isla's in the stream. 
<laughs> you are having a barrel of Diet Coke with a vat of popcorn and going on the life lesson that is eating a pack of Revels. We're putting up posters for City Slickers, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, the Banshees of Inner Sherry and Mary Poppins. We are playing a bootleg trailer for the upcoming Fred Astaire biopic with Tom Holland. We are then playing the end of, the, of Thelma and Louise. We are printing T-shirts with... You are an inanimate effing object on from In Bruise. We're listening to the soundtrack to the Blues Brothers before watching The Princess Bride because it's the first time you're going to see it on a big screen. Sham, thank you for taking us on a trip to the movies. Have you had a good time? I have had a great time and I realise a lot of my choices are 80s. Says a lot about me. <laughs> I think that's possibly why I also went, oh, I love that. Oh, yes, that one. Oh, brilliant. I know. Yep. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Think, yeah, I'm, I'm stuck in a certain time warp. And and we need never tell people just how long it took two adults to get online on this call today. Because... Don't admit <laughs> that. Don't admit that. Yeah. Uh, maybe if you press control, out, <laughs> delete, and then just that if works. If I switch it off and switch it on again, will it work? <laughs> Uh, Sean, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Alex. And you. And as Sean's cab carries her away from our virtual cinema, off into the distance, it's your chance to win a pair of tickets for a night out at a very real Odeon cinema. As I said at the start, the lovely people at Odeon have given us a pair of tickets to give away every week. And if you'd like the chance of getting these tickets, all you have to do is leave us a review of the show or a comment on our socials. You can leave a review on whichever podcast platform you use, be it Apple Podcasts or other, or you can get in touch on any of our socials, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok, where we are at Trip to Movies Pod. The competition is only open to UK residents, and tickets exclude Odeon Leicester Square and Odeon Lux. And just before I say my final farewell for this episode, don't forget you can find the full ad-free video interview for today's Sean Brook episode, and indeed every guest on our A Trip to the Movies Patreon, as well as early access to the podcast too. And if you'd like to get a taste of those video interviews, subscribe to our Trip to the Movies YouTube channel. And that really is it. I'll be back next week when another guest takes us on a trip to the movies. Bye-bye.